The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Forget Patients, Let's Sell Something with your host, Ty Maynard. We're the starting point for sales professionals and business owners who want to gain more clients, score higher margins, and not be left behind in sales and business. Now, here's Ty Maynard. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Forget Patients, Let's Sell Something. I am your host, Ty Maynard, and our goal every week is to help you in your quest to be the best in sales, business, and life. And we're going to continue to bring you guests that have phenomenal insight that can help you be more successful, that can help you improve your win rate, that can help you find more customers, develop customer loyalty, and be all that you can possibly be. And our topic today is how to become a key person of influence. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about, how to be influential in your industry, in your company. And let me, let me tell you a little bit about our guest. I had the pleasure of meeting him several months ago, and we just hit it off right away. We were, like, from the same pod. And our guest today is the Managing Director of Intrivo USA, a growth accelerator firm that has worked with over 1,000 companies globally in helping them to dominate their market share. He is featured in the award-winning documentaries, The Compass and Riches, and his first book, Stop Chasing Perfection and Settle for Excellence, has been hailed as the self-help book for people who are sick of self-help books. His extensive speaking schedule spanning over the past 25 years has taken him throughout the U.S., the U.K., Australia, and Singapore, and earned him a global reputation as an expert in mass communications and influence. Topher has spoken for top execs with American Express, Microsoft, and Google, just to name a few. One of the reasons I asked Topher to be on the show today is because I really feel that his message speaks to the professional who could care less about motivational magic wands and are more focused on getting tangible, proven strategies to become a key person of influence in their company, their network, or their industry. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest for the show today is Mr. Topher Morrison. Welcome to our program, Topher. Hi, Maynard, my brother from another mother. How are you, buddy? Man, if I was any better, my name would be Topher. <laughs> hey, listen, they've already, they're already sick about hearing about me anyway. Now let me take the time to plug you. If you're listening to this show and you have not read Ty's book, you better go out and get that thing because I'm telling you, it is single-handedly one of my top – you don't know this, Ty. It's one of my top five sales books now that I've ever read. Wow. I love it. 
I love your attitude in the book. I love the notion that you're proud to be a salesperson, that you don't shy away from it. And I think anybody reading that book is going to completely have a new attitude shift on what they feel it means to be a salesperson. I love your book. It's damn awesome, buddy. Well, man, thank you very much. And, you know, I appreciate that because I believe everyone is in sales. And I said that several times before to my audience, whether you're an attorney, whether you're a parent, a teacher, everybody's in sales. We're always trying to influence some type of decision. And that's yeah. why I, I love what you're doing, and as, as a matter of fact, I had an opportunity to, to participate in your KPI conference, the Key Person of Influence, and you have so many dynamic uh, speakers and presenters talking about how people can be more successful today, uh, and, and, and we all need to be proactive in pursuing our goals. So what I want to do is just have you share, and there's so much meat there. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get a chance to get to all of it today, but we'll just have to bring you back, but we, we probably well. won't, right? I mean, we're both professional speakers, and our motto is like, "Why say it in a thousand words when we can say it in ten thousand, Right? <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But Topher, what I want to just let's tee this off. What do you define as someone who is a key person of influence? How do you define that? Sure. You know, a key person, what I love about the phrase is it just says what it does. So clear. A key person of influence is, is just that. They are the kind of people that um, you know about in your industry already. Their names come up in conversation for all the right reasons. They don't have to chase the sales because people already know who they are. Um, when their need arises for whatever it is that that key person offers, they're the first person on that client's mind. They don't have to go through a Rolodex. They don't have to search for it. They just automatically know that's who it is. Key people of influence are what I just call KPIs. They work less hours. They have more fun. They have to chase less leads. Uh, and they genuinely own their business versus most small business owners, which, let's face it, probably are owned by their small business. And you know, overall, they just, it, it, like I said, they do what they say. It's, they're the key people inside that industry. You know, we, we define them as three different types of uh, as business owners. There's, there's newbies, there's worker bees, and there's KPIs, or key people of influence. And they're the ones that, you know, everything revolves around them. They're the center of influence inside their industry. Uh, and, and uh, you know, they have a much better life. It's way better. It's way more fun being a KPI than it is being a worker bee, that's for sure. You're exactly right. And, you know, you mentioned that uh, a KPI, their names come up in conversation. And it's interesting because I'm traveling this week, as you know. I'm, uh, I'm in Iowa and doing a training event. And I got, I got a call today from someone who heard me speak a couple of years ago, a leadership speech that I gave. And he said that when something came up, he's on a committee, and he said when they needed someone to inspire and, and provide a leadership speech, he said my name came to mind immediately. And he mentioned my my name and several other people knew me, so I'm right now. I'm kind of feeling like a KPI based on that there you today. Go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, interestingly enough, Ty, you've done, and I'd have to probably look more into your business model, but I'm relatively certain that you've actually ticked all five boxes in what it needs to, in what you need to do in order to become a KPI. See, here's the thing: a lot of people think that becoming a KPI is a time requirement. If I pay my dues, if I put in my time then eventually I'll become that center of influence and I'll become that person. 
And frankly, that, that it's almost the opposite of that is true nowadays because our, our, our culture, our industries have become so fast-paced. It's the ones that move the slowest that make the least amount of influence. It's the ones that move the quickest that generally have a much higher percentage or a higher chance of becoming those KPIs. And one thing I know about you is you don't sit still. You don't sit there and wait for things to happen. You aggressively go out there and you get it, hence probably the name of your book, <laughs> Screw Patience, let's, uh, let's Sell Something. You know, and, and that's, an, that's an accurate point because when I came up with that title, I was not trying to tell people to be impatient. I was saying, listen, let's be proactive. Let's yeah. not wait for the phone to ring. Let's not wait for the next client to walk through the door. Let's initiate the contact. And yeah. when we were talking earlier before the program, Topher, you used a phrase to describe an entrepreneur who really works hard. What was that term again? Uh, 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 a worker bee. Okay. Or, or, well, I got a couple terms. I sometimes call them swabs, which is an acronym I use to describe the struggling world of business for a lot of entrepreneurs. They just they're swabbing all day long. But uh, yeah, we call them worker bees. They're you know they're the ones because when you think about what a worker bee does, right in the hive, their job is to run out, get the pollen, run back in, drop off the pollen, run back out, and they're working all the time, man. And they're always going, man, I sure would like to hook up with that clean, but I'm too busy because I'm working all the time. And they never have time for any fun. They just work nonstop, 24-7. Wow. Okay. And, you know, I've heard that term also. Now, there's a difference in my my mind uh, from a job versus a career. And, you know, we've all heard that acronym. I had a guest who said, you know, having a job is basically being just over broke. And the the key person of influence, well, what's the difference between, let's say, branding and becoming a key person of influence? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, interestingly enough, people who have jobs can also become KPIs. You know, it's funny when people talk about that just over broke acronym. I, I sit there and I think about Steve Ballmer, who's worth $13 billion. He's never been an entrepreneur a day in his life. He's just had a job. And I think, I don't think he's just over broke. He's got $13 billion in the bank. He's doing something right. Right. But why is he doing it better than other people? Because he realized, even as an employee who has a job to run Microsoft, he realized, I need to position myself as an irreplaceable cog in this wheel. And as a result of doing our five things that we talk about, he's got them in there as well. He's made himself irreplaceable in the business, and as a result, he's worth $13 billion. Um, so I, I, I always kind of have to scoff a little bit when people diss people who have jobs because there's probably some people out there right now who have jobs as a salesperson or as an office manager, and they might be listening to this, and I want to make sure that they realize they, too, can become KPIs in their business. You know, if you look at job stability, it's at an all-time low right now, which is really exciting because what that means is if you take a proactive approach in your business and you sell yourself as a key person of influence inside your company, then you've secured your own job security. Job security is there. You just have to own it now versus hope that you get it. Uh, and I think the ones that actually go out there with their jobs, they can still become KPIs or key people of influence. No question in my mind. It has nothing to do with being an entrepreneur. Although, yeah, typically, for example, our niche market, we usually work with entrepreneurs. But we've worked with uh, 
you know, tier one executives who sit there and realize, man, I got to make sure I'm a key person of influence inside my industry because I may get laid off by the board tomorrow and I want to make sure I don't have to go hunt for a job. But once the word gets out that I've been laid off, the jobs come hunting for me. You know, and that's that's an excellent point because one of the things that I mentioned yesterday to my audience, my class, I say, you know, if you if you consider what you have as a job, that means it's eight to five, and once five o'clock comes, you no longer think about that job. That's kind of something that you would expect from someone not trying to diss anyone, but maybe someone that works at McDonald's. There's no need to think about burgers once you leave McDonald's. <laughs> Or Burger King's, but if it's a career or if it's a profession, you don't get away from it that easy. You will be attending the networking functions. You will be reading at least one book per month relative to your profession. You will be investing in yourself, attending uh, programs like I attended that you had, the, the, the yeah. KPI. And, and that's what it takes to be successful today. Anyone who's sitting around waiting for something to happen, waiting for circumstances to change, they're the ones that are going to be in trouble. Would you agree? Yeah. I, I would. And I'm also going to give an interesting perspective on that to an entrepreneur. So check this out. There's two types of entrepreneurs. There's the type of entrepreneur who goes to work, gets done at five, and then goes home and forgets their job at their house, uh, at their office, and then they're at home. There's the other type of entrepreneur who works as many hours as it takes all day long, all night long if they need be, and they don't get defined by a time clock. They get defined by a result. Now, the question is, which one of those is the characteristic necessary to become a key person of influence? And I'm just going to leave it there because I know we've got to take a break here for a moment. But when we get back from the break, I'll share with you my philosophy on which one of those two characteristics is defined as a KPI. Excellent. And we also want to – better understand the steps or procedures for becoming a KPI. We're going to talk about that as well. Well, it's time for us to take a short break. You're listening to Forget Patients, Let's Sell Something, and I am your host, Ty Maynard. My guest today is the amazing Topher Morrison, and we will continue to talk about how to become a key person of influence in your industry or your profession when we return from the break. Stay tuned. And we'll be right back. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. 
Can you keep up? Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. You're listening to Forget Patients, Let's Sell Something. If you want to reach Ty Maynard or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can send an email to Ty at TyMaynerGroup.com. That's T-Y-E at T-Y-E-M-A-N-E-R Group.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back to Forget Patients, Let's Sell Something. Our topic today is how to become a KPI, a key person of influence. And my guest today is Topher Morrison, and he's sharing some insight on how we can become a person of significance, how we can make it happen for ourselves and those around us. So, Topher, I want you to continue with what you were talking about before we went in for the break. You bet. So for those of you that just tuned in, I I proposed an interesting question, which was there's two types of entrepreneurs. There's the kind of entrepreneur who goes to work in the morning, they get their job, uh, you know, they do whatever they can do in their job, and around 5 o'clock they head home. Then there's the other kind of entrepreneur that was not defined by a time clock. They'll work 12, 24 hours if they need to. They work day, night. They literally immerse themselves in their business and do whatever it takes to get what they need to get done that day. And I proposed the question, which one of those two characteristics is that of a KPI? And when I ask this all over the place, in fact, even in our growth accelerator programs, I always ask my clients that. I say, you know, which one of those two people do you have to be in order to successfully complete our 40-week growth accelerator program? In almost every situation, they all go, the one that will do whatever it takes to work 24 hours if necessary. They almost always say that. And the interesting thing is what it takes in order to, for example, go through our growth accelerator and become a KPI is actually the exact opposite. But to be that guy who comes in at the office at 9 and leaves at 5 or whatever predefined hours that you set. And here's the logic behind that. Typically, um, the best analogy would be this. Ty, you've gone on vacation a few times in your life. I'm sure of that. You know and when you, went, yeah, when you went on vacation, the week before you went on that vacation, I'm going to guess you got two, maybe three times more work done that week before you went out on vacation than you typically do in a normal week. Am I correct on that or am I way off? No, you, you're very correct. You're very accurate. Yeah. And the reason for that is because you had a deadline. You knew that you had to get everything done by this date because you knew you weren't going to work during that holiday. You didn't want to take that stuff with you. Well, my thinking is this. If every single evening was a holiday – then you'd work extra hard during the day from 9 to 5 to make sure that you get everything you get done because you dang sure do not want to take your work home with you when you go on your home holiday. And the KPIs that I know that succeed the most, they have no problem shutting it off. They're, they're, they're perfectly comfortable saying, yeah, I'm done. I'm going home now because I've got what I needed to be done, done. And so there's a time frame there where if you actually define your activities by your time frames, you'll tend to get more done Whereas if you just say, I'll do whatever it takes all day long, your sense of urgency goes away. You know you've got a 12, 14-hour day ahead of you, so you don't have to rush as much as you normally would. And then the weird thing happens. Inevitably, you don't get what you were supposed to get done because fatigue sets in, lack of productivity hits, and all of a sudden you just kind of fart out at the end of the day, and you're not nearly as effective. So the flip side that I always offer is realize that, you know what, 
listen, sometimes those people that have jobs kind of got to figure it out in a way. Now, having said all that, I'm a total hypocrite, Ty. <laughs> there are days that I work well, uh, well past 5 o'clock, but I like to think that the reasons why I'm working past 5 o'clock is because I genuinely love what I do. I get so caught up in it, time flies, and I forget how much time I'm investing in it. And then I'm like, wow, yeah, I guess it's time for dinner now. So there are times when I definitely work late. I definitely work on the weekends. I, I'm, I'm a total hypocrite when I talk about that, but I love to speak about it as much as, as possible because it keeps it in the forefront of my brain to make sure that I'm doing what I can to get my work done in the time frame necessary. And, and that's another great point. When you love what you do, it, it doesn't feel like work. Right. Right. Yeah. But that's yeah. a totally different reason, right, than just right. working to get it all done and slogging it off and making it, you know, having a hard time at it. And that's what I think, unfortunately, a lot of entrepreneurs are doing nowadays. You know, you look at how many entrepreneurs are out there. You know, Ty, how long have you been an entrepreneur? You've been entrepreneur. You've been out on your own for well over 15 years. Am I right? That's correct. 18. 18 years. You know what it's like. I've got the same thing for me, man. 20 years is an, 25 years almost. Uh, not, not 25 years, I guess. So somewhere in that 20-year range. Remember when we got into business, bro? We got into this because we loved it. We had this calling. This First off, we were totally unemployable. <laughs> Nobody wanted to employ us, right? Um, because we had this weird, crazy attitude that we thought we could do it better. But we had this passion and this heart for wanting to take something uh, and make it out of nothing. But nowadays, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that, frankly, are not in the business of making a business because they have that passion like you and I had 20-some-odd years ago. They're simply an entrepreneur because they can't find work. And I think that's a real sad part. Those are the ones that really need the advice more than the, than the instinctive entrepreneur who is like in their blood, they sweat it out of them. There are a lot of people that are entrepreneurs nowadays, not because they want to be, but because they can't find work. And man, it's really hard for them. My heart goes out to them because they don't really enjoy what they're doing, but that's also because they've never learned how to become a key person of influence in their business. For me, for you, you so that's because they've never really learned how to embrace what it's like to be a salesperson and, and understand that process and be able to do it with pleasure and ease. And that's, you know, hopefully our, this radio program is helping those types of people. I really hope there's some of those people listening now where they go, holy crap, that's me. You're right. I need to learn the system because without them, they're just swimming around complaining about how they need swimming lessons, but they can't get out of the pool. You know, <laughs> and, the lessons. And, and, that, and that's an awesome point. And one of the things I, I like to do in my programs, and I'm sure you do it, as a matter of fact, I know you do it in, in your KPI growth uh, program, we, we we talk about systems. We talk about processes. So yeah. are there steps or procedures for becoming a KPI or a key yeah. person of influence? Yeah, there are. There's there's actually five. I mean, it's not. That's the thing. It's like it's not even that hard. It's a fairly simple system. Now, I got I got to tell the listeners that just so they know, I didn't come up with this. I love bragging about it. Because I didn't invent it. Um, I, you know, I'm just really blessed to hang around some really cool entrepreneurs who picked up on this uh, about three years ago as a system, and they're the ones that kind of shared it with me, and now they've entrusted me to take this to the American market. There's some, uh, they were over in, in the U.K. So uh, just preface that by none of this information is something that I just you know, pulled out of my butt and said, hey, this is a great program here. You should do these things. These things are time-tested, proven. There's nothing inherently innovative about 
about it. It's traditional business model practice, but it's done in a very specific order, which produces a very specific result. So there's only five things. And if every one of the listeners right now on this show do these five things in this order, you can become a key person of influence in a relatively short amount of time. Um, Somewhere between nine to twelve months in your industry, you can become a KPI. It's not a, it's not something that takes ten, fifteen, twenty years. Nobody has that kind of time frame. So here they are. The first one. We'll we'll, we'll talk. And you know what, Ty? We'll do what we can here. You know, as we go through the show, we're probably not going to get through all five of them. Right. But, uh, we'll get through as many as we can here, and and that's a great start. So the first one is to have a perfect pitch. Every single key person of influence in the world, whether it's John Lennon. Martin Luther King, Oprah Winfrey, Richard Branson, all of these key people of influence, they, everybody knows what they're known for. Richard Branson is the rebel billionaire. Oprah Winfrey is about empowering women. Um, you know, John Lennon, imagine there is no heaven, no hell below us, only sky. You know, that's like his perfect pitch. Uh, Martin Luther King, gosh, you know what, 40 years ago this year, we're celebrating the anniversary of perhaps one of the most perfect pitches in history. Martin Luther King got on those steps, and he talked about, I have a dream. And that speech was so perfect that he practiced thousands of times before he had the opportunity to get up on those steps and preach that speech. He did it so perfectly that it literally shifted the consciousness of an entire nation to realize that things weren't right the way they were. That is a perfect pitch. Uh, Richard Branson, the rebel billionaire, they all have them to whatever degree that they want to be known for. But the question is, when somebody says, what do you do? Do you have an answer? Do you know how to do that? Ty, it's, it's appalling how many entrepreneurs out there, when you ask them what do they do, they don't know how to clearly edify what it is that they do in a succinct manner to where people go, I get it. I understand what they do. I'm not interested or I am interested, and that's okay. You don't have to please everybody, but you at least have to get through to everybody where they know whether or not they want to be pleased. Excellent point. Excellent point. Keep talking, man. This is good stuff. We have okay, about two cool. and a half minutes before the next break, but you bet. It, this is well, let's, let's, good. Let's do this. Let's do this. I'll put you on the spot a little bit, Ty, because I know that I feel real comfortable I can do this without putting you on the spot and making you look bad. When people ask you, Ty, what do you do? How do you respond? I tell them my primary focus is to help my clients improve their profitability by enhancing the performance of their people. Done. I would give that an A, <laughs> right? That's like, it's so clear. It's so concise. It works. Now, we could tweak that, and we could make that an A+. plus by putting a few things in there. So for those of you who are listening, what should you put inside that answer when somebody says, what do you do? Well, the reality is there are six things that you should probably talk about in your perfect pitch. We call that a social pitch. We actually have three pitches that we work with inside the KPI program. We have what we call the quick pitch. A lot of people call that the elevator pitch. The social pitch which is the one that you'd use when you got a cocktail in your hand and you're at a networking event shaking hands. And then we have the investor pitch, which is when you're trying to scale your business, find investors to where you want to have some sort of an exit strategy. So uh, in the quick pitch, let's talk about that real quickly, which is kind of what you gave me there, Ty. Right. Uh, the quick pitch, usually what I tell people is there's three components that you need to put inside a quick pitch. One is your name just in case they don't know who you are, obviously. Number two is what we call uh, the same. And then number three is what we call the claim to fame. So it's an easy rhyme to remember. Name, same, claim to fame. 
If you put those three components inside a pitch, you got a beautiful, quick pitch that people are going to get every single time. So what do I mean when I say uh, same and claim the same? Same means you need to come up with some type of a description to what it is that you do that people can get their head around instantly, quickly, and effortlessly. Uh, so let me give you an example of this. If I were to tell you uh, where I'm at right now and I were to say, I am in my kitchen at my marble countertop. You get it, but yet the problem is you don't know where my kitchen is. You don't know if it's on the first floor or the second floor. You don't even know where my house is. You don't know what city it's in. So I didn't give you enough of a sameness where you could put your head around that. But if I were to say, well, I'm in Tampa, Florida, bam, everybody knows he's in Tampa. Now I can give you a little bit more detail about I'm in my kitchen on the second floor, standing in front of the granite countertop. That works a little bit more. I'll share with you how you can put that into the business when we get back from the break. Fantastic. This is awesome. Uh, and, you know, it, it lines up really with some of the things I was talking about yesterday with my audience on, we call it a 30-second commercial, and obviously it doesn't have to be 30 seconds. But this is perfect, and I'll make sure everyone listens to this. So it's time for us to take our Next break, and, and Topher, I always tell people this is the fastest hour of the week, all right? So we're going to take another quick break. This is Ty Maynard, and you're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. My guest today is Topher Morrison. He's telling us how to be a key person of influence, and you're listening to us on the Voice America Business Channel. Stay tuned. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. Our workplace is dynamically changing. How do you stay ahead of the curve with respect to learning and training? Tune in every week to The Future of Workforce Learning and Development with host Pamela Robinson. You'll learn about real-world strategies, solutions, and resources that will showcase these changes and keep you ready for what's next. The Future of Workforce Learning and Development is heard live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. If you want to reach Ty Maynard or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can send an email to Ty at TyMaynerGroup.com. That's T-Y-E at T-Y-E-M-A-N-E-R Group.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. You're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. I am your host, Ty Maynard. My guest today 
is Topher Morrison teaching us how to become a key person of influence in our company or our industry or in our network or in our community. Topher, continue on. You were talking about uh, different types of pitches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you got the quick pitch, you got the social pitch, and you got the investor pitch. And we're kind of playing around right now with your quick pitch, Ty, which when I said, what do you do? And you had a beautiful answer. Do you want to just say that again? So we're just in case people just tuned in, they can hear what it is that you do. So some, we're at a cocktail party. Say, what do you do? And you answer with the following. Yep. And I said, I, my primary focus is to help my clients improve their profitability by enhancing the performance of their salespeople. Great. So the only way to, and that's an A, man, that's, a, that's an A grade. We're going to make it an A plus by just adding one little thing, which helps me get my head around what it is that you do. And that's the same part. You, you, get, you gave me a great, what we call claim to fame, because that is your claim to fame. You help your clients increase their profitability through, uh, and I can't say it as eloquently as you just did without having it written down there, but uh, you help your clients increase their profitability through in, improving their sales structure, something like that. Right. So the, best, the, the, the way you can make it just slightly better is you can give me the same so I can put my head around that because I may not know how you do that. So if, you, if I said, well, what do you do? You can say, well, hey, my name's Ty. I'm a sales trainer, and I specialize in helping my clients increase their profitability by blah, 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 blah. Now, as soon as you say, I'm a sales trainer, bam, I've got a real clear picture about what it is that you do, and that's my sameness. Now, the, the, the interesting thing is a lot of times when we speak with entrepreneurs, they go, but I'm so much more than that. And I always tell them, say, yeah, I know. We're always more than what we can put a label on, but the label helps position us. It helps the listener uh, be able to put their head around it to where they can continue to listen. Because if I don't know how to put you in a category, I'm going to be struggling to do that, and I may not actually hear what it is that you do. So if you just go, your name is Ty, and by the way, you don't even have to give first name and last name. I'm, I'm really big on just giving the first name because, you know, the less information you give them, sometimes the better. They're already having a hard time figuring out what the heck it is. So, I mean, most people are no good at remembering one name, let alone two. So, you know, just say, hey, my name's Ty. I'm a sales trainer, and I specialize in helping my clients increase their profitability through uh, systemizing their sales process in an effective manner. I'm not, I can't remember how you said it, but it was very beautiful. But I think if you just did that, then you'd be at an A-plus already because now i got something to put my head around. Excellent. You know, and, and the thing is this. We all have to be willing to learn and get better. Uh, that's why I attended the KPI uh, conference that you had. That's why we read books and read periodicals because yes. we're always fine-tuning and refining. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, the reality is the social pitch has probably more content than we could ever go into here, even on a one-hour. I spend uh, we, we spend eight hours with our clientele giving them the six components for their social pitch. But, uh, well, I tell you what, even if your listeners can do that. Now, the one thing I'm going to say about the pitch as well, when you get to the claim to fame, what you did so beautifully is what most people don't do. Uh, what most people do is they give the same without the claim to fame. So you talk to most people say, what do you do? And they go, I'm a sales trainer. <laughs> I'm a financial advisor. I'm a dentist. And they leave it at that. You're right. And the problem with that is that as soon as you just give the label, now you've actually lumped yourself into a group of a bunch of people to do the exact same thing, and now I have no reason to want to do business with you. So the reality is when somebody asks the question, what do you do for a living? Here's the funny part. Most people don't care. They really don't care what you do. What they care is what benefit do you provide. 
what's, what's the impact that you make on the planet? How do you make people's lives better? But that's such a weird question. Nobody ever asks it. So they, instead, they just go, hey, what do you do? I believe that's the same thing I do. I ask the question, what do you do for a living all the time? I never care what they do for a living. What I care about is what is the positive impact they make on the world, which is what your answer was about, Ty. And that's why it was so good, because you didn't just say, I'm a sales trainer. You said, well, thanks for asking. I help my clients increase their profitability by creating powerful systems to help them get to the sale much quicker and much easier. Man, that's such a beautiful land. By the way, I, I apologize, Ty, because I'm screwing up your pitch. No, no, hey, I don't man, have a written variation down, on the theme. That's all good. That's all yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you get the idea, right? So, so what I find is people uh, rarely give the claim to fame. You gave that. Uh, most people just give the same. The reality is the same is important, but so is the claim to fame. Hi, my name's Topher. I'm a media consultant. I specialize in helping executives make sure that when they get on TV, on radio, or on stage, they can communicate their message powerfully, confidently, and clearly. Fun. Hold on. <laughs> they got it. My, my, my saying is I'm a media consultant. My claim to fame is that I work exclusively with executives and help them on TV, radio, and stage. Simple. Yeah. Um, so I think if the people listening just walk away with just that one component, their pitch is going to be so much more clean, so much more powerful. And what I always tell people is I say, listen, if you've got a lot of leads but not a lot of sales, you got to work on your pitch. Right. Because the people that have the best pitches have the least amount of leads because they're automatically dequalifying as much as they are qualifying. You know, I don't want to go to a networking event and walk away with 50 cards. I want to go to a networking event and walk away with five kick-ass cards of tier one executives that have the opportunity of getting on TV, radio, or stage, and they don't want to suck at it. That's all I care about. Anybody else? Not my lead. Wow. That's good stuff. You know, and one of the things I tell my audience is I say not everyone is your client. Dang right. And and, and the day you realize that and the day, most importantly, the day that you are comfortable with that, that's going to be a revolutionary, revolutionary day for you. Absolutely right. Yeah, it's it, man. It makes you know the other thing. Uh, the other thing that I know is that when entrepreneurs are talking about how busy they are, I also know they don't have a clean pitch. Because if you got a really clear, perfect pitch, you're not wasting a lot of time with a bunch of empty leads that end up going nowhere anyway. You've clearly refined who it is that you work with, and then you're only investing good quality time and good quality leads. Surefire way to free up your time, clean up your pitch. Wow. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, we can have another about five minutes or so before the next break. Tell us a little bit more. Share, share another aspect of being a key person of influence. Great. We'll do. So, so once you've clarified your pitch to where people know exactly who you are, what you stand for, what you're about, and what you don't want to work with as well, that's all about the pitch, then the next element comes into place. And the next element is about um, every key person of influence in any industry has always been published. Now, what I mean by published is they either have a very powerful blog that has a lot of subscriptions, they've been written up in trade journals, in news magazines, or ultimately for a lot of entrepreneurs, the most successful ones, the biggest KPIs, they almost always, if not always, have a book written about them or by them or, or they've written it themselves. You've got to get published. You know, Ty, what is getting published with your book? Um, forget pa- uh, forget patience, let's sell something. Although I think earlier I screwed it up and said, screw patience, let's sell something. <laughs> but that's just my, my perception of it. Um, what did that do for you in your career, bro? When you finally got that book out, 
What does that do for you and your ability to go out and sell your sales training? It added an, an extra layer of me being perceived as an expert yeah. in this industry. And, and my knowledge base was, was worthwhile pursuing. Yeah. Well, you know, there was two things that happened, I'm going to guess. Number one, as a result of you writing that book, it forced you to raise your game and learn more about your craft so you can actually be the expert that you profess to be in the book itself without saying, I'm an expert. You have to raise your game and know more about your business when you write a book about it because it just forces you to discover the subtleties and the nuances of your business. So that's the first thing that happens. Then the second thing is exactly what you just said. It positions you as the expert in your business. You know, if you look at why a book is so powerful, you actually have to go all the way back to the agricultural age, in fact, even beyond that, and go into the to the, the pioneering days. You know, when the first settlers came to America, <clears throat> what did they do to show ownership? Well, what they did to show ownership is they staked out the land. They, they staked their claim on land, right? Well, just putting a stake in four corners of some land isn't enough. That was the starting point. They staked their claim. But then in order to prove that they owned that, they had to get a written deed from the local county or local parish or whatever it was, stating, in fact, that they owned what was inside those four stakes. That's how they, that's where the whole terms, you get to stake your claim on something came from. And the four stakes, they went through and they got their title deed or their claim to that, which was the piece of paper. We have, since the inception of written history, always given massive credibility to printed paper. I mean, even if it wasn't printed on paper, it was printed on papyrus paper, or if it was printed on stones like the Ten Commandments. We've just been conditioned psychologically that if something gets into print, it is absolute. So what happened was we get these title deeds back in the, you know, the pioneering age that said, this is who I am. Well, we have a whole new revolution going on now. It's what we call the entrepreneur revolution, which is where Intrivo comes from, short for entrepreneur revolution. And the entrepreneurial revolution, entrepreneurs have to stake their claim on what they own. But we don't stake it with property. What we do is we stake it with knowledge, with our niche markets. So for example, if I can use you, Ty, as the example, your niche market is sales. You don't try to be a motivational speaker who goes out and talks about goal setting and focus and time management and all this stuff. You just say, this is my expertise. It is selling. And here's, and I would venture to say you probably even have a more specific selling to a specific type of company. I don't know. But when you all of a sudden say, this is my specialty, it is about selling to people. That's you, that's you staking your claim. But how do you prove ownership of your ability to sell something? You published a book. That was your deed. The book is the modern-day deed to your property. Nobody can now ever talk about um, forgetting patients and selling something. Because if they do, you walk up and say, uh-uh, here's my book. I'm an expert. I own that knowledge. I'm the expert. I'm the owner of the phrase, forget patients, let's sell something. Wow. That's your title. That's your deed, right? And that's the power of getting published. When you have that, man, you can sit there and say, do not come on my property. I own my niche. And the more specific that niche market is, the more specific. You know, we, we have a book in our business called How to Become a Key Person of Influence. No other trainer is allowed to talk about how to become a key person of influence now because we can walk up and say, we own that. Here's our title to prove it. This is our deed. It's 176 pages, and it proves that we own it. And by the way, that is a book that should be in everyone's repertoire in your library. It's called Become a Key Person of Influence. 
It is an awesome read, and you have to have that book. And Topher, this takes us into our final break. Again, the fastest hour of the week. Uh, we're going to come back and we're going to wrap up. But right now, it's time for us to take another short break. You're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. I am your host, Ty Maynard. My, go- my guest today is Topher Morrison talking to us about how to become a key person of influence in our industry or in our company. Stay tuned. We will talk to you again on the other side of the break. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. Want to be empowered to take your leadership skills to the next level in your business? Tune into A Sharp Outlook. Best Practices for Success with host Angela Sharp using industry-specific materials, toolkits, and expert guests from all facets of business. Our program will empower you to develop a strong core in your business leadership, infrastructure, growth, and technology. A Sharp Outlook airs live every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Our workplace is dynamically changing. How do you stay ahead of the curve with respect to learning and training? Tune in every week to The Future of Workforce Learning and Development with host Pamela Robinson. You'll learn about real-world strategies, solutions, and resources that will showcase these changes and keep you ready for what's next. The Future of Workforce Learning and Development is heard live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. You're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. If you want to reach Ty Maynard or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can send an email to Ty at TyMaynerGroup.com. That's T-Y-E at T-Y-E-M-A-N-E-R Group.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. You're listening to Forget Patients, Let's Sell Something. I am your host, Ty Maynard, and my guest today is Topher Morrison, and he is just laying it down, giving us a lot of good information and and downright inspiring information as well on how we can be better than we ever thought we could be, how we could be a key person of influence, how we could be that go-to person. So, you know, Topher, we have a few minutes left. Uh, Take us home and just share some additional insight before we wrap this up. You bet. So, so far, you know, for those of you who just turned in, you definitely want to download the recording on this one because we've had an hour full of just really, I think, awesome information. And I can say that because I didn't create any of it. I'm just the messenger. But uh, what we're doing is we're talking about how to become a key person of influence in your industry. There's five things, five marketing points or positioning places that you need to be in your business that if you put these five things into place, 
you can become a key person of influence within a relatively short period of time, nine to 12 months on the aggressive side of things. And what we've done is we've covered two main ones. The first one is you've got to have a perfect pitch. When somebody says, what do you do, in less than 30 seconds, they've got to know exactly what it is that you do and whether or not they want to do business with you. Do you fit into my niche market or not? Am I interested? And if I'm not, do I know people who might be, so to speak? Uh, and we use you as an example, Ty, on that in terms of just talking about what it is that you do. And it's, it's your name, your same, and your claim to fame. In other words, my name's Ty. I'm a sales trainer. And what I do is I, I work with my clients exclusively, or I specialize in helping my clients increase their profitability by creating a series of systems which expedite the sales process and get them to profit quicker or something like that. Then we talked about once you've done that, you've got to have you got to get published uh, because once you've got your perfect pitch out there, you're going to get to the message. Now you've got to be able to back that up because you say, well, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. But the next question is, listen, <laughs> do I rate you? Are you credible? You know, I know a lot of people that teach sales training, but I only respect the ones that have taken the time to write a book on the subject because that shows that they are truly an expert and they know their field. So, once you are, uh, you've clarified your pitch, get published, man. Get that book out there and make sure that it's specific to the audience that you pitch to, if you will. What we haven't covered are the other three elements, and I'm happy to go all through them as quickly as I can. We're not going to be able to go into them into the detail that we just did with the other ones, but I don't want to leave your listeners hanging. I want them to know what those five things are, knowing that I think once they get a taste of them, they're going to want to go through and do the research and find out more anyway. So the third thing. After you get your perfect pitch, after you've published yourself to where you can sit there and say, I am an expert in this field, I own this niche market, then the third element is you've got to productize. Productization is all about taking your service that you offer and being able to find a way to have it work for you in your absence. Now, this is not necessarily trying to diss the time for money thing. I think a lot of trainers go out there and they sit there and they go, well, if you're trading time for money, you've limited your ability to succeed in life. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, man, Tiger Woods trains time for money. <laughs> and he's doing pretty good, right? right? So I don't think trading time for money is that bad. And the reality is we all trade time for money. You just want to make sure you're trading enough uh, uh, trading your time for enough money to make it worth your while. I think that's the key. Now, the other aspect of that is, is have you found a way to create products which can work for you in your absence? A book is only one way, and there's so many more ways in which you can do that. Uh, every, every effective, powerful website should have series of products on there that will allow people to get to know you, like you, trust you, believe in you, respect you, admire you, while you're not even there on the phone or working with them in, the, in person. So that can be in the form of uh, uh, newsletters, pro, uh, uh, CDs, downloadable um, uh, audio programs, videos, uh, DVD programs. The, the, the list goes on and on, but it's about finding a way to get that, that knowledge inside your head and get it into a product. Here's a great example. One of our mentors that we have at our events is Kevin Harrington from the TV show Shark Tank. This guy's done over $4 billion in sales on TV. He's got a net worth of $450 million. There's probably nobody on the planet better at being able to take somebody's idea and turn it into a product. And he did that with a local guy here in Tampa, Florida, named Tony Little. Now, you may not know that name, although most of you probably do, but you I guarantee you, if you've seen him on TV, you'll remember him. He is the guy who sold the gazelle on uh, an infomercial late at night TV. He's a really loud 
obnoxious personal trainer with a ponytail who never stops screaming. Right. That guy, that guy, before he met Kevin, he was a personal trainer making 40 bucks an hour, and he was working his butt off. He was getting up at 4 in the morning to work with his professional clients at 5 and at 6 and at 7 and at 8, and then he'd go home and he'd have breakfast at 9 o'clock and he'd rest a little bit, and then he'd go back to the gym at 11 and he'd start working with his lunchtime clients from 11 to 12 to 1, and then he'd go back home and he'd have another meal and then he'd rest up a little bit, and then he'd go back to the gym at 4 and work with his clients after work from 4 to 5 to 6 to 7 to 8 to 9 to 10, and then he'd go home and take a quick nap and get up at three. That was his life at 40 bucks an hour. And he met Kevin and Kevin said, listen, man, because you're working too hard, you got to find a way to productize yourself. And that's when uh, they, you know, they came his first product, by the way, wasn't the gazelle. His first product was a DVD package on uh, target training to tone and tighten your abs and your butt. And they created these DVDs and started selling them. And his first month, of selling these things online, he made over a million dollars, more money than he ever made as a personal trainer. That radically turned his life around. And way too many entrepreneurs, especially in the service-based industry, they're blowing their time because they've made it to where they don't have a product that helps them. So productization is key. Number four, after you've developed a product, you've got to raise your profile on TV, on radio, and on the Internet. Nowadays, if people Google you and can't find you, they ain't going to do business with you, period. Now, what I always say is any idiot can spend a couple of weeks and get their name onto Google and be the first two, three pages on Google. But when somebody types in financial advisor Tampa, Florida, if that's what you do and where you live, then where do you rank? The more you raise your profile, the more powerful you're going to be. And then the fifth and final thing is developing powerful partnerships outside of your sphere of influence to then go to those KPIs to where they can bring business into you. And if you do that, you've got a really great system for business. Now, I know we only have about a minute left, so I'm going to have to wrap up really quickly here. Last and final thought, Ty, I'll share with all of your listeners. Until you are a key person of influence inside your business, you have one full-time job. And that full-time job is not to sell your cars, your insurance, your health care, your chiropractic, your dentist at all. Your one full-time job is to become a key person of influence. Spend your time and your day becoming a key person of influence before you do your business and before you know it, your business will be running on its own. Oh my goodness, man, that was that was excellent information and I'm going to go ahead and get you to commit to coming back cuz we we need to go into the, those into greater detail. Uh I'd be honored. I'd be because honored as, you know as I say before, my goal is to make a difference. So those of you who listen, there's a whole lot more information. I mean, n- tons of information. I want you to go to key person of influence dot com forward slash USA and study what they have. I, I really want you to get the book. Become a key person of influence. Uh, just look it up on Amazon, and I'm, there, there, I'm sure there are many ways to get it. But you have to dig deeper into this because we just scratched the surface. Topher, I want to thank you for investing your time in my audience today. Uh, we're going to have you back. Can can I get a commitment on that? I am committing right now. I would be honored to come back. I have a lot of fun on these kind of programs, especially with you, Ty. Thank you very much, Topher. And, and, and listening audience, thank you for listening again. Please continue to tell others about the show. Our job is to make a difference. We're giving you, 
I mean information from experts, and the, the whole goal is just to make a difference, and we know if we make a difference, then you're going to make more dollars. So, listen, we look forward to talking to you again this time next week, but in the meantime, in the meantime, in the meantime, forget patience, let's sell something. Talk to you soon. Thanks again for tuning in to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. Ty Maynard will be back next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We look forward to you joining us then. In the meantime, forget patience, let's sell something. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.